Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Differential Diagnosis. In fact, the penultimate episode of Differential Diagnosis, where we review every episode of House MD Season 1, and beyond, of course. But let's stick with Season 1 for now and get to the end of that. My name's Harvey, hello, and this is your co-host, Gaz. Yeah, pleasure to be here. This is the penultimate episode of Season 1. Um, looking forward to reviewing it. I think it's the best episode in this season and perhaps of all time yeah i think we'll i think we'll have to probably get that out of the way quickly it won't be like oh will they like it won't they i think this is like pretty popularly considered the best episode of season one slash the best episode of the entire show as a whole for the most part damn right i agree um i believe i believe this won an emmy as well um yeah i believe it did yeah, and this was written by David Shaw by himself, which uh, you can always tell the important episodes because David Shaw kicks out all the other writers. <laughs> He's like, I want sole credit on this boy. Yeah. Um, which is nice. You can see how closely connected he is to the, the characters in the world when he handles the most important ones. Yeah, I I guess so. I, I don't know what else to say. It's just um, a very well-crafted piece of television. Definitely the best episode of season one. Maybe the best episode of the series. Yeah, it's it's where the show plays with the form a lot, I think is why it stands out mostly. It does a few things. It plays with the form a lot. It teaches us a huge thing about House and then it sets up for a just a very, you know, um, it sets up then this future relationship ongoing with Stacy by giving us all the context of it. So it's uh, it gets a lot done. I think uh, I saw a, a piece of information that David Shaw thought that this would either be a well above average or a well below average episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because he was like experimenting with it. So it would have been very interesting to see a three stories that was terrible. But thankfully, we don't live in that reality. So we have the version, which is absolutely fantastic, which we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, and it did win an Emmy for uh, Outstanding Writing a Dramatic Series. Um, I mean, just yeah. Of course, it would. It's yeah, fantastic I mean, it fully writing. That. <laughs> it's David Shaw at his best. Um, he's playing with time. He's playing with the plot. He's also kind of tying up in a very neat bow the entirety, the most of House's arc in the season. We've gotten to know him, and now we know the most crucial thing: why does he limp? And why is yeah. it so important that we know that? Yeah, I think the, sh the show plays it very well because I, I appreciate... I mean, maybe this is a problem with eight seasons worth of material because you could argue that the show blows its big mystery load very early on in the first season about, like, basically why House limps, which is pretty integral to understanding his character. But I appreciate that they did it in this episode because... You know, even though the show tries to set up a lot of stuff for season two, had the show ended after one season and not been renewed, I would have still been like, oh, I understand House as a character, at least. And while there are other plots to resolve, you know, at the very least, I would have personally been like, I get why House is the way he is. And that was a very interesting season of a character study. Yeah. But um, thankfully, we didn't get that. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, in, in a way, it's a pretty it's a pretty brave move. Um, to go ahead and unveil that. Like, I can fully imagine, like, there are seasons, like, 
I think Lost is a big one. I don't even think it goes into why Locke is in his wheelchair until like season three. Like House MD really like does in three stories really pushes out the boat and says like, we're going to give you all the information just in case. Yeah. But um, but then from that actually continues to make it interesting because the good thing about House as a character and this could be because of Hughes Laurie's performance is that it doesn't totally rely on once you know why House is limping that he becomes uninteresting or stops developing. Yeah. And I think that was the most crucial thing that this story had to set out was to do it in a way that doesn't make it turn. As we we discussed in the DD Extra um, episode that's coming out this week, that it becomes a superhero origin story. This is why House is like he is. It kind of already hints that he's already like that. I mean, from three stories, you get this idea that he was like told he was just looking to score drugs at first. Mm. And then he goes back and they go, oh, it's an infection. And oh, they go back and oh, oh, we've really effed up over four days. And now you're in this situation where you might die. Yeah, yeah we'll, go into the whole, we'll go into the house and change thing because I'm not sure I buy that as much i don't mean he hasn't changed i mean that that there are certain character traits in him that predate the series or the focus of the series i don't want to go to the whole hog and say bah, 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 bah. <laughs> he, he was always an asshole um because he obviously wasn't he was in a very good relationship he's but that doesn't mean there aren't certain character traits that weren't already under the surf surface if you know what i mean and it gives like we said with cameron in the next episode of dd extra um that gives her depth and in the same way it gives depth to house i like it yeah perfect well um do you want to give us the synopsis oh Kick man oh up? man this is a pleasure this is an absolute privilege you have to give us a synopsis of all three of the stories all three uh, no, okay <laughs> <laughs> that might <laughs> that might take up the entirety of the episode trying to explain that um so as you as usual um this synopsis is powered by powered by house.fandom.com um who give us excellent sources of information for the episodes and make sure that we don't make so many factual gaffes as we do so thanks fandom um and all the people who write for fandom um so here's the synopsis three stories is a first season episode of house which first aired on may 17th 2005 cuddy wants house to deliver a lecture to the medical students on the diagnostics and House finally agrees when she lets him off clinic duty for a couple hours. On the way to the lecture, he finds his ex-girlfriend coming to see him and ask him to treat her husband. After refusing, he heads to the lecture, where one of the cases he pre presents starts to look very similar. Fascinating stuff. I know. Well, um, yeah, without further ado, let's get into this big hog of an episode. <laughs> <laughs> big hog. Let's look at season one. Episode 21, the one and only three stories.
I love how this episode just opens, boom, right in the middle of a conversation between Cuddy and House. It's just like hard hitting. Um, yeah, I always like this is this is the sign of of good writing, right? That it's like we don't have to show House bursting in, having an argument. We can show it midway through the argument, but give people enough context to know what's going on. Yeah, it's um pretty pretty much immediately shows really good like strong writing which is what the episode is famed for like this is like i don't know i don't know what moment of inspiration hit david shaw with this one yeah that was precisely what <laughs> he, i was gonna say he was having a great day or a great week when he wrote these yeah um because yeah this is this is like exceptional work from him hmm. and not not that there aren't like glimmers of this throughout the show but um I really, I really don't think there are many episodes like it's not like every episode is like this, right? It's not like David Shaw sits down every week and writes a three stories. Mm. There's something about this period of time. I think he probably, maybe when he incepted the show, he had this, this episode in mind. Like I think mm. this was the big one. Yeah, I think I agree. I just the moment you just know from the beginning that it's going to be good, and the. <laughs> The dialogue between Cuddy and House is really interesting because Cuddy's just not acting as much like the kind of ball-busting captain of the precinct anymore and more like um, someone who's just really contending with House and can really actually has leverage. It's not always House always wins against her. She's like, eh, you're going to do this. It's yeah. just a specialty. Get over it. It seems like she's a bit more fleshed out in this, even though we don't see her that often. Um, Stacy also just comes in straight away, goes out the door. He's on his way out of the clinic. Boom. Presents the case that's going to be coming up in next episode as well. So, yeah, that's yeah, interesting. Could, yeah, you could imagine in like what I, what I quite like about this episode is that Stacy appears and it's... um. Like she, she immediately cracks a joke, but it's very awkward. It's a very well performed scene. It does feel like two people who, you know, have some history and some chemistry, but don't really know how to act around each other. Mm. And um, yeah, there's a there's a nice moment where she tries to make a connection after they have a little sort of passive aggressive back and forth, and she goes, you know, I have missed you, and he just looks away and he's like, yeah, is that why you're here? <laughs> <laughs> like it's this um, and I even I even like. I even like midway through that scene that somebody tries to push through the door that they're standing in front of. Mm. It's like it's very well constructed to make it as awkward. It's not like a big emotional reunion. Mm. But he walks out of Cuddy's office. Stacy has obviously been waiting for him because she saw him go in. And like, you know, they haven't seen each other in years. And now they have to meet and they have like nurses walking past them. And um, yeah, and then from there, she, you know, the, the problem is that she comes to him for a favor. She's asking him to help him uh cure her current husband mm. and it's just like you know house and this is this is kind of a sort of subplot of the episode but this this is one of these things where like you know where we say that sometimes entire episodes plots or character growth are just a character thinking like they don't do anything necessarily they just go away and think mm. and even though this entire episode is about the backstory between him and stacy he never like alludes that his feelings are growing towards Stacy or that he wants to help her. He initially turns it down mm. the case. He says, you know, I don't want your husband to get better. Pretty much saying, I hope he dies. <laughs> and then 
he goes away, he does this lecture, and he comes back and he agrees to do it. Well, and he doesn't. Just... He he doesn't quite say, "I hope your uh, your husband dies." He says, "If I was to treat him, I'd be put in a position where I, I kind of want him to die. <laughs> if I treat <laughs> okay. him, there is that moral complexity." Uh, another thing to most cutting piece of dialogue i think in this is when she says oh you know just like you i think she says something like um you know just like you in a sarcastic tone just like you enjoy um puppy dogs and long walks in the rain and he says well walks are out and it it, once you've watched the entire (laughs) episode you don't recognize how cutting that remark is to stacy because yeah well walks her out for a particular reason he can't walk anymore why um, yeah i think i think up until this point you kind of my assumption at least if i was watching again without knowing that background hmm. i would just think like oh house you know had a problem with his leg and then he just like became a moody bastard hmm. and then broke up with stacy for that reason but it, it, it's as as we find out it's written in a way that stacy went behind his back and changed how his leg was going to be treated mm-hmm and um, is actually at fault for the way he feels now. So it's, um, yeah, as you said, yeah, like in hindsight, that line is extremely cutting. Oh, um, yeah, definitely. I found that was, found it means when you watch it again or recall certain parts of it, you're like, wow. Wow, okay, that that must have hurt. And there's also, so anyone who doesn't remember the episode quite well, so that, that initial argument with him and Cuddy is literally setting up house doing a lecture. She's just saying... The teacher's ill, you know, you have to go and do this lecture. And then mm. this is what initiates this, the three stories of the title, is mm. that House is teaching them how to do differential diagnosis procedure, <laughs> I guess. And he is, um, he uses the same symptom, which is a pain in the leg, uh, but he tells three different unique cases. And the idea is that the students have to help him diagnose them yes and um this is definitely the first time that the show has this format and it's why the format is so unique is that it's not it's it's the the stuff on show is like a sort of historical fiction in the mind of house like house is telling a story and then we're watching that story play out Mm. and so there's a lot of interesting quirks to that he'll like he changes details on the fly um the timelines are all screwed up he flicks back and forth between details. He um like there's a there's a pretty a pretty well done um uh cameo in this where Carmen Electra turns up. And I, I think it's a I mean I, yeah, I think it's about as close as the show could go to a celebrity actually turning up, but it's like in house is fantasy, and it's a very nice way of doing it. I think there's like it's as I say, this episode's very unique because it plays with the form a lot. And um the show does go on to do this more, it has more kind of um, you know, people telling stories and narratives and that being shown as the actual visuals. But this is the first time that the show does it. And it's, I mean, you know, it's considered one of the best episodes. It's probably the best way that it ever does it because there's so much creativity and, you know, dramatic undertones to the whole thing. Um, and I'd say also it it's not as realistic as the other episodes in the sense that the it's more like the theater of the mind, but also then you see the uh, students in his mind 
commenting on these things and as if they're actually observing them as well, which is yeah. also really strange. And then it jumps between that and then it shifts over to like if he was conversing with his team, uh, the cinematography changes. So initially with the farmer's example, the cinematography is very, very washed out and very luscious and green. And the farmer has a kind of piece of grass sticking out of his uh, mouth and he's got like tra- traditional farmer's clothes on as if it, it becomes really cartoonish. The farmer, the person who plays the farmer also then plays the volleyball coach who is actually revealed to be a volleyball player. Um, Carmen Electra becomes several people at once and then the Carmen Electra patient who's supposed to be playing golf transforms into a, a kind of middle-aged man. Um, and he explains all of these kind of weird details and quirk changes just mainly to defy stereotype and also to keep the students engaged but also it's kind of a way of him processing information and um you know it's how he thinks yeah it's a very much like it lets you into like his anarchic i guess socratic method Mm. way of thinking where it's just details change on the fly you see how much information he's keeping track of Mm. Because I, I would, here's a great, here's like a, a a test for anyone. Close your eyes while watching the show from the moment the lecture starts and imagine that you're hearing it as just a story. <laughs> yeah. And then try to keep track of what the students are keeping track of. Because I tried that and it definitely shows, you know, the the students ask the right questions at the right time because they're confused. But it also demonstrates how much information like House can hold coherently in his head. Mm. Where like you know he's he's making jokes, switching people in and out, but it, it's it's all pretty consistent. Mm. Um, I think yeah, like e- even though it's just an interesting format for telling the story, it does let you into a lot about how House thinks. Yeah, and it's also interesting to see how House interacts with the students because he treats them very much like his team in a lot of ways. Um, he's very upfront and aggressive. Um, which is really, really interesting. Um, you know, it's, it's as if they're part of the team too. And you do see them pop up within these kind of fantasy scenes that he has as well, which is really strange. Mm. Um, he also poses uh, problems such as one of these is going to be kicked out of the hospital because they would be accused of scoring drugs, for instance. Yeah, which, which, but he does it in a red herring way because that's that's just one moment in that story. Yeah. It turns out that there's actually something after that, but he he throws in all these red herrings and like, yeah, really, I mean, pressuring them to the point that he would his own team that, you know, just because you've decided something, that doesn't mean that it's the end of the story. Mainly truthful, but misleading statements as well. He's telling the truth, but in a misleading way, makes them assume certain things that aren't true, that might not be true later on. Um. Which is really good because that's how he thinks. So we're getting a kind of architecture of his own reasoning, mm. which is great. Um, I also really enjoy the uh, expressions of pain in this uh, <laughs> episode, um, especially with the middle-aged guy who's just going ah ah ah, and then so, it's a nice little detail screaming. as well that the middle-aged man is pretty much wearing exactly the same clothes as House. Yeah. That was what I was thinking as well. It's a, it's a, well, it also, it's, I think it says a lot about, um, so the, the, the three stories, um, 
I think just just to round them up, because I think we're getting pretty close to just talking about the most important one of the three stories, because it's, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, this is like he's using this as like an exercise in differential diagnosing separate cases and like, you know, following the trail of clues to being able to decide, you know, uh, to come up with different conditions based on the same symptoms. But at the end of the day, it's really an expose in how House's leg became the way it was. And this is sort of, I, I feel like this is a very subconscious thing because I'm not sure he would have given this lecture had he just met Stacy outside. This is definitely on his mind. And he, he sort of, you can tell in the way that he approaches his own story. It's in a kind of silly, irreverent way yeah. that he would with anything. I think it shows a lot of the way that he deflects and treats things with humor. Even though, you know, we've just seen him meet Stacy, like he's made that cutting remark that he'll never walk properly again. Like, mm. you know, he's deeply hurt by this. But um, so so the volleyball player uh, has a sprained ankle. It's a very minor one. The um, farmer character, it's initially seen to be a snake bite, but it does turn out to be a dog bite, which mm. he is lying about because he's trying to save his dog, mm. which is a very... Um, Sort of a, a very interesting little arc there. He's, I guess he's trying to demonstrate to the patients, you know, the everybody lies yeah. um, philosophy. But at the same time, it's one of those interesting stories where somebody's making irrational decisions in order to protect something over themselves, which is, a, I mean, that one could be an entire episode in and of itself. They've definitely like drawn out that um, that plot archetype before where somebody is lying um, and put, I, uh, sports medicine is a perfect example, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much sports medicine, but with animals instead of a fetus. <laughs> and, um, and then, uh, and then there's the third one, which is starts off as Carmen Electra playing golf because we know that house is uh, infarction in his leg, which caused his leg, you know, to experience so much pain and have to have his thigh muscle removed happened when he was playing golf and then, you know, it turns into this like silly, like him on the table screaming and he's like, oh, you know, isn't the patient being ridiculous? You know, he's he's probably see seeking drugs. And then we finally discover, oh, wait, this is actually House's story. So we learn a lot about, you know, the events leading up to it, but it's told in this silly, irreverent way. And I think that definitely shows the way that House processes his own dramas, like just this total aversion, deflection just oh i'll make a joke out of it because i don't really know how to handle my feelings what do you think of the the students as well who are listening i think they they're like they definitely have their own like unique personalities and i think at the end it, they they're definitely the only students in the class who talk and it feels like yeah. there's like oh house is inspiring the next generation <laughs> of diagnosers did you um well he's also putting them through their paces right to see if they actually really want to be doctors mm. Or if it's all part, it's the same way he looks at. Uh, it's it's the same way he does with his team. It's like he's putting them through their paces. Like, do you really want to be a doctor, or do you just want to teach? I mean, how committed are you to these things? Are you willing to be cynical where necessary? Are you willing to be forensic when necessary? Are you willing to know when you're wrong and know when you're and to admit when you're also on the right track uh, i it's 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 not easy and there are only i think there are only how many characters get really processed through this it feels like there are three i think there are three yeah there's the uh there's a bloke with long yeah. hair there's the nerdy dude and then there's the woman 
yeah and um, you could easily say that they're they're team transplant in a way because there basically could be analogs for the other team yeah which which one is foreman um foreman is geeky glasses <laughs> chase's long hair absolutely that's foreman to a t and cameron is the woman even though because there is even an interesting um moment where she's going look we need to really care about the the person and he says well do you want to treat all your patients like their family <laughs> and you're know, going very very kind of intense and emotional to get to the bottom of things yeah uh or, or being very ethical well there's nice little twists it's really strange well yeah as, as, as you say with the one who's really caring and wants to you know um do loads of tests on even the simple case of the woman having a sprained ankle that actually happens within the story and it's funny that like even the stories are complicated like it's not like she comes and they find out she has a sprained ankle there's as I say, it alludes that Cameron did all of these extreme tests, put her through a lot, expecting it was cancer or something, and then it turns out it's just a sprained ankle. So even within that, like, you know, I mean, you could have a whole episode on Cameron over-treating a patient. And, um, yeah, over-treating a patient and, you know, putting them through mm. extreme tests just to find out it's something simple. But um, it really does feel like these are just actual House MD plot lines, which have just been crammed into like four minutes. It shows how much control David Shaw has over the format. Um, yeah. I also like that there's quite a, like there's a bit of a, what's it called? Lampshading, where you, um, I don't know if if, any, if nobody's heard of lampshading. It's where in a, in a plot, in a story, uh, if there's a ridiculous detail, the characters within the story draw attention to it in order to kind of explain it away as a plot hole. I think uh, a good example is um, like Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me, where they're about to go back in time. <laughs> and Austin Powers goes, oh, you know, he tries to explain the time travel. It's really complicated. And his boss just goes, oh, yeah, it is complicated. Don't think about it, though. You'll be all right. <laughs> and in mm -hmm. this, it's like House uh, like knows something about snake venom, like a really like niche thing that he would never know. But I like that one of the students says, sorry, are we supposed to know these things? And House is like... Well, yeah, yeah, you know, because <laughs> I do. It's sort of it, it's nice Perhaps. that the show's like pointing out that House is so knowledgeable, but then House is like, yeah, I am knowledgeable. That's just like totally left, left, <laughs> <laughs> left unexplained. Mm. Mm. Um, also, it's really interesting that uh, the House story—he's willing to have a horrible tubes shoved up his mm. penis. Uh, in order to because he really is concerned about whether he's really sick or not but the doctor's he's kind of framing it as if the doctor's doing it just to see <laughs> if he's uh really a drug addict or not yeah well th this is the interesting thing about the house story right so he's accused of being a drug addict but mm. at this point in his career he's like this is five years ago he's one of the most like we get the sense that House is extremely well respected. I mean, that's why Cuddy keeps him around. He's like, you know, a renowned doctor. It's very interesting that a renowned doctor would go to a hospital and be accused of drug-seeking behavior. Mm. Which... And not have his license taken away. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's very strange. I mean... Yeah, I... I mm. <laughs> 
it, it, it's almost like I, I don't know I, I don't think it's a plot hole it's just a really weird detail and it uh, as you said before like I don't know was house known for doing drugs even before this like to what degree has house yeah, changed was he, he was known for... for that and untrusted by people to that degree yeah um also an interesting thing to take into account is that the there's a clinic patient hidden within the episode and it's the professor who's taking some time yeah, off it's four and stories so it maybe even five if you count the wilson uh well that's a plot <laughs> part it's more like a bridge so four stories wow we're getting to some this is why you listen to this podcast for such forensic analysis <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's like so dr riley is off because and that's why he's doing the lecture and uh House figures out that the reason why he's so sick all the time is he keeps drinking out of a mug, a mug that's been um, painted by his children with lead paints. So it's making him sick all the time. So he diagnoses it. So you see him with the mug and he kind of fills some water, drinks, he goes, ugh. Um, and there Yeah, you there's go. nice little details like that. that one out. It do, it's not like he just walks out and says to Cuddy, oh, you know, there's lead in this mug. Like you see him spit out the water and be a bit disgusted by it, and it's resolved later. There's there's a lot of setup in yeah. here. It's crazy how much is going on. Um, nice payoffs that you don't realise are payoffs. Yeah. Or even realise there's actually a payoff coming for it until you go, oh wow, so that's why he did yeah. that. Well, it, it, <clears throat> gotcha. it's as we've said previously, like all, all of the best episodes, like DNR, Socratic method. There are always the episodes which have a lot going on. There is something, there is a consistent thing in this show that when the writers are confident in an idea and they have loads of ideas to connect it to, you can tell it will be a good episode because there's so many plot lines going on. And I often yeah. find it, it, an episode never feels bad because there's too much going on. It always uh, Episodes in house always feel bad because there's too little going on. Usually yeah, yeah, yeah. because everything's so quick fire that if there's too little going on, then it's just people talking about the same things, but really quickly and very energetically. And I think this mm. is like the perfect example of that. Like three stories has an insane amount going on. It's, you know, three stories, four stories even going on at the same time with details thrown in, like entire diagnosis is taking place. He's also like not just differentially diagnosing with the team. He's differentially diagnosing with the um the students in the room uh, he's then got other characters reading into the stories he's telling like oh is he talking about himself we then even see the scenes between him and stacy which i'm guessing house isn't actually telling they seem to be actually flashbacks so it goes from a narrative like fictional history to the actual history flashback well, and then well, and then no, from they there actually, and then from there you have this entire other story with stacy where house is clearly dwelling on you know whether or not he is going to take her husband's case. So there's an insane amount going on in this episode. I don't think that that's ever yeah. replicated. Um, well, you also, there are a few things you've not mentioned. For instance, uh, discussions of medical, medical ethics around how do you um, uh, tell someone they're going to die. Um, there's also, uh, in so that's a really big thing. Um, he's also using crayons to draw the amount of like to show what his pee was like when he, uh, they got to the eventual diagnosis where they found waste products in his urine mm. and blood and urine. So his uh, kidneys were shutting down. Um, you also see 
him do a bit of a kind of a bleak reference to Wilson by saying, I have to give this guy $10 every time someone says thank you when he tells them <laughs> they're dying because he's so good yeah. at telling people that they're going to die because, and he gets a lot of practice because he's an oncologist. Mm. That's a little oblique reference. Um, I think he does detail some of the, de- some of the things that are happening between Stacy and house in the sense of, in a bare bones sense, it seems where he's saying, uh, she apologizes and then takes action that's contrary to his wishes, um, which in the normal world would not have happened uh, because if um, medical, if a medical procedure against the initial, the latest wishes of the patient is uh, done or suggested by the proxy, it has to go to a bioethics committee or medical ethics committee to discuss whether that's okay or not. It's not like you can just say, oh yeah, you know that he didn't want that right. We're doing that now. I think that's a goof. Oh, is it? Story. But it would be very, very laborious if they made it out like you must go to a medical ethics committee. There wouldn't really be that tinge of betrayal, would there? <laughs> it would become a lot more bureaucratic. Well, he, he is unconscious um, during it, right? Is he not? No, but, but it's by law. Um, if some if he says I want this procedure and then the proxy says he's going to have that procedure because there's a contradiction between the wishes that the doc- the doctor had heard before and what the proxy is saying it has to go to a, a medical ethics committee. I mean, it's it's almost like then there's a conspiracy with Cuddy as well eh. because I guess Cuddy has the authority to bypass that in a way. So. It's kind mm. of it, That's a bit naughty, it's kind of funny it? if you look at it like that way because he never brings it up with Cuddy. So clearly, maybe Stacy took the entire hit, which which could which could even be. That's why I say like that scene is a flashback and not House telling the story, because if House is out cold and doesn't know that information and thinks that Stacy just did it all on her own, like back, and didn't conspire with anyone, that House is never fully aware of the involvement Cuddy had in that. <laughs> Well, no, she has the involvement because remember she becomes the cons- she becomes the lead on the case. Mm. She says, "I'm taking over now," so she would have to have scheduled everything for that operational procedure to go take place. So she was complicit. Fair enough. So House would know. So I'm guessing House is a bit. I guess that's one of the reasons. Either he knew that, and it's kind of a thing that he probably knows, kind of keeps him employed, or. Cuddy is feels, or, and Cuddy also feels guilty, or Cuddy just feels guilty for what she's done, mm. um, even though it was in his best interests allegedly. It's an interesting backstory for why she might have hired him. <laughs> it's very yeah, and it's also very um, vague. We don't know that, but it definitely creates some sort of tension or, um, you know, some sort of friction between the two of mm. them that we don't really understand. Absolutely. Well, there's also there's also an interesting moment where House gets angry. We love these moments where House yep. gets angry because they're always very important. Um, the only time he gets angry is when somebody misses a detail of the um, House patient's leg. And he's mm. like, yeah, no one guessed it. No one guessed it. Only the patient had to get it. And he starts he starts yelling. He's extremely angry that no one caught that leg mm. issue. Even at even <laughs> at the like the students who aren't, you know, I mean, this happened five years ago. 
the students are differentially diagnosing it hypothetically and he's getting angry at them that mm. they're not coming up with it. It's um, mm. it really slowly this episode really starts to, you know, slowly let you in more and more about how angry he is about that event. Like, you know, we yeah, I... and, and little things we know about him is that, like, you know, um, in paternity, the second episode, we went to go and watch that lacrosse game and then we see him playing mm. golf. Um, and then the the comment about walking in the rain, like House used to be an active guy. He used to have a, a life where he did things. And um, you really see how much has been taken away from him. I think that this episode really mm. takes that further and really shows the the loss that mm. he suffered, um, including Stacy as well. Um, I think the one big thing that happens is the two accompanying cases start falling away around about 15 minutes before the end. So one of the volleyball players got a cancer, cancerous tumor in her femur. The farmer has like necrotizing fasciitis, is it? Yeah. Is it necrotizing? Yeah, the bacteria is like flesh-eating bacteria on his leg, so that has to be amputated. For her, it's oper- for the cancer patient, it's chemo and an operation, and she'll be able to survive, and she might lose the leg, she might not. Um, and then we start going through houses for the last 15 minutes, we go through houses, um, case full and proper. It's in that 15 minutes. It's just like, yes, this is it. This is the payoff. Yeah. It um, literally like it goes to Foreman who's talking to Cameron. He goes, Oh my God, you're right. He's talking about himself, which, uh, which I think is a nice way yeah. of unveiling it. I think if it had been the pilot, Wilson would have been like, He's talking about himself because he's too detached to the event. <laughs> but in this, it's like a nice little, you know, it's like you come, it's like with the argument at the start, you come in halfway through a conversation, but you pick up everything. And then there's this moment where it's like, there's house five years ago. And, um, and it's a very, it's a very subtle, I mean, he, he's in a lot of pain, but like Hugh Laurie is fantastic at just putting on just a subtle enough performance. You can tell this is a far more gentle house. The way he talks to mm. Stacy, um, you know, the way the way he interacts with Cuddy, it's more of a he's he's not a smart alecky. And um, you know, he doesn't seem as cold. He seems like much more like normal. He's not totally different. It's not like he's, you know, a really sweet, kind man stroking a puppy and then he loses his leg and he goes totally insane. But it's this you know, there's there's a gentle side. There's and I really like how Hugh Laurie portrays that just enough. Um, mm. Once again, it it shows that there is definitely a there's been a change. There's been a loss somewhere down the line. And you know, even mm. though we see this old house for like, as you say, about ten ten minutes total, maybe less than that. He's unconscious. About fifty for a lot of minutes, it. really. No, about fifty minutes in. Oh, uh, it's excellent writerly pacing. Mm. Um, I think. It's timed just right so that every all the other details fall away from the other cases, and this comes to the fore and it becomes its own little drama. And like you say, the best thing about it is that it doesn't like stretch that for a full episode. It would become a bit too simplistic. It does it in just the right amount of time. Going into the actual, um, then how House deals with that, we start to um. It, the show, the show even the show does a good job of making House seem quite irrational. I think it it doesn't paint even though Stacy, you know, 
let, let's say that what she does is totally legal. But by being his proxy and changing his um, changing his treatment after he gets put into a chemical coma to deal with the pain, I think the show does a nice job of not just making Stacy seem really evil. It really um, it it really gives a, a a side to her argument. I think there's a great little moment where House is basically told that the method he wants to take, where um, I think it's just he wants to flush out all of the uh, dead muscle out of his system which might kill him or give him, put him into cardiac arrest, which he actually does go into cardiac arrest, which is really dangerous, but it's to save the leg. And then Stacy wants to do a bypass procedure, which basically removes his thigh muscle. He gets to keep the leg, but he'll be in a lot of pain. And it sort of, it doesn't make Stacy seem out to be a monster because there's a conversation they have where there's the idea of House just removing the leg entirely. And she says, you know, would you... <laughs> He, he doesn't want to do that. And she says, you know, would you cut off your leg to save me? And House is like, of course I would. And she's like, well, why is your why is your life worth less than mine? And it's just this, like, you start to see how, like, House's only argument to that is, it's my leg. No one's taking my leg. <laughs> to the degree where he's even writing on his leg in surgery, like, do not remove this leg or this leg on both of his legs. Like, he's just, like, so stubborn still. It's definitely the same house. That's what I mean, where it's, like, a very subtle performance. But it's just... So when Stacey, you know, eventually asks for this bypass surgery, I think the show does a good enough job of, you know, she kind of highlights how a rational house is being. Um, even though he's being a very, you know, all or nothing, I'm going to live free or die, <laughs> you know, style. It's... um. I, I don't think that Cuddy, I, I don't think that Stacy's made out to be the villain, which I really like because it could have definitely been like Stacy's just being selfish. I mean, if Stacy had been like, I won't date a legless man or something insane, but she like genuinely has care for House. That decision comes from a place of care and for his safety because she doesn't want him to die. And that's very important and it's very well done. And that's true. I agree with all of that. I think also the interesting thing is he's also still monitoring his own vitals. <laughs> yeah. He's definitely, um, he, beforehand, he's like, yeah, I can handle the pain. I can handle the pain. Then when he's in pain, he's like, just give me all the morphine. You're basically saying, I want more morphine. Get me more morphine. I don't care. I can handle it. <laughs> he's still trying to wrestle. He Before the operation, he says, yeah, I can do it. I'll find the way. I'll control it. And then all of a sudden when he's in pain, Things change very quickly. Yeah, eventually he's like, just put me in a coma. He's um, he, he's a man <laughs> who overestimates himself, and um, which is a great... Sometimes he overreaches. Yeah, it's yeah. a great character flaw. It's like he's so confident that he thinks he can do anything, and he can't. He just can't, and it's, mm. um, it's very true to life. It's like full-on Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> like he just overestimates how much pain he can put himself in because, you know, when you're not in pain, you forget how bad pain is. <laughs> but even even with that in mind yeah because your your subjective experience just completely changes when you're confronted yeah, you by can't it. think straight it, it's pain changes pain changes your entire perspective on what you can do and what you can't do before the fact it's really easy to say i could do that or not um after, during the fact very different mm. there's also a thing where which i liked a really nice part of the scene where um uh he's saying yeah you better get me this potassium quickly otherwise i'm going to go into uh cardiac arrest in about 20 seconds then his last words could have been i was wrong <laughs> if he didn't survive the heart attack <laughs> because he uh he miss he un he overestimated how much time that he had 
before he went into cardiac arrest. <laughs> Are those his last words? I've never been able to pick them out quite well. Before he goes into the cardiac arrest, he just goes, I've got about 20 seconds before I go into um, a wide-ranging tachycardia. And then they're just like, okay, I'll get the thingy. And then he's going into cardiac arrest. He says, I was wrong. <laughs> Uh, there's there's another great moment of that in the next season finale which we won't go into but it's uh uh, the moments where how almost dies he has some extremely funny last words (laughs) it's a recurring thing i think when uh in that in that episode it's after he's been shot and cameron says everything will be all right and he says you don't know that Mm. Which, uh, yeah, he's got hilarious last words. It seems to keep coming up. <laughs> but there's, speaking of last words, House, once again, even with all the stuff going on in this, even with all of this, House dies. And then we even mm. get a discussion into, like, his, you know, his feelings on um, on the afterlife and spirituality. And it's, mm. uh, yeah, once again, it, you know, they tackle it in about 40 seconds. And it's done extremely well. It's a big thing to mm. bring up. I guess because we know enough about House that we know that he's already an atheist, so there's a bit of shorthand there. Mm. But it's, um, yeah, he, he dies and he has visions of people he's treated. And Wilson pulls him up in the lecture and is like, you know, do you really think those were real visions? And he was like, real experiences? And he says, well, they were real, but they were happening in my brain and it's all, you know, it's all just chemicals and it's just uh, once again just reinforces the way the house views things it's just like you know he's very he's very much a physicalist he's very much an atheist in that way and um he even gives even a like you know quite a funny reason for why he you know doesn't believe in an afterlife is that you know he doesn't want uh this life to be a test which i think well once again kind of you know i mean it's it's a kind of a throwaway he's you know it's you know, it's it's kind of just just a way for him to dismiss the whole thing. But at the same time, it lets you into a lot about, you know, how House feels about his life. Like his life is so hard that if it's a test and it's all for nothing, you know, that would be crushing to him. Like he's been through so much. Like this can't be all for just a test, just to prove if he's a good person. Because if it is, he's certainly not doing very well at it. He doesn't want, he doesn't say he doesn't want it. He wants it to be a test or doesn't want it to be a test. He believes that it is isn't simply a test i think saying the line verbatim might be a better way of doing it so house says personally i choose to believe that the white light people sometimes see uh, visions this patient saw they're all just chemical reactions that take place when the brain shuts down foreman says you choose to believe that house says there's no conclusive science my choice has no practical relevance to my life i choose the outcome i find more comforting cameron says you find it more comforting to believe that this is it and house says and i love this line i find it more comforting to believe that all this isn't simply a test i think that's an amazing piece of great interaction for only 40 only 40 seconds Chase says nothing in this uh, episode, really, apart from in the flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, once again, Chase takes a very, a very back seat. I guess because Chase is at the back, just chuckling as he always is. That's what he likes trying to, to do. get a swab from a dog. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about in our character analysis in the last episode, and it's very much, um, yeah, it's very much like 
Chase is a very Chase is a very much a light-hearted character with a lot of setup for the next seasons. And you can, based on the fact yeah. that he doesn't have any dialogue in the important scenes, kind of reflects that. We definitely emote more with Foreman and Cameron and know where they stand on things. It's very, it's very in character that those are the ones that speaks out. And I guess more fitting that we actually hear from them because we know more about them. Yeah, I guess so. I think it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And as you said, we talk about that at length in the extra episode. Mm. Um, but now we're coming to kind of the conclusion of mm. the episode. The betrayal is baked in. Which I, I love that interaction where Stacy says, I'm sorry. And he just says, you've got nothing to be sorry for because he doesn't know what she's talking about. And it's just like, yeah, it's really heartbreaking. It really, I mean, like we've known Stacy for about 10 minutes at this point, if even that. Mm. And um, the interactions between them are so good. It's like, it's kind of like, you know, throughout the episode, throughout the season, we've seen like, you know, there's been like the hammering thing and we've seen like his interactions with Cuddy and you just can't imagine this person like ever being romantic or, you know, really, really that caring for anyone. But the way him and Stacey interact, like it's just great chemistry. It's it's so good right off the bat. It really, uh, yeah. it really encapsulates that they, they have they had a very good relationship and how terrible it is that it all fell apart. Mm. I also want to just be, just admit a bit of a mistake that I made where I, you said that they didn't really know if it was house or not. Well, only the team really know, but um, they all, they do know about the decision that the proxy made, but they don't know it's house. Oh yeah. And that's why um, they then have the discussion about medical ethics. There's, Holy, yeah. there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of big debates going on in this episode. Hmm. It's uh, it's um, quite insane. My favorite little my favorite little bit of this is um, he says, "Is there a buzzer or something?" And then uh, Cuddy comes and says, "Oh, you know, you've kind of ran twenty minutes over." I was like, "Well, six minutes, six or seven minutes of those were you just sitting around talking to Wilson." To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> It's, but it's, so it's, don't gloat too much it's just a lot that he you know he lost track of time he was very invested in that story he was like oh i can't stand to do even a minute of this lecture and then he does it for an hour and 20 minutes well an hour and 14 max i'm sorry i'm not going to give him the benefit of well he he went over and beyond oh, oh no i'm not saying he went over and beyond he wasn't like being a great teacher but he like you know he lost track of time like that was clearly yeah. a very he got very invested in that lecture even though he hated it yeah it's given that he wouldn't spend any time he was willing to spend zero time in that lecture hall he was there for a bit longer than what he wanted um also little little detail i do like his trainers very uh mid 2000s with the little springy bits <laughs> at the bottom and then of course um, we end with that um that moment very simple where he just calls up stacy and just says make sure your husband doesn't like hangs up doesn't even say goodbye it's like he kind of uh there's that moment at the end after we hear that stacy's made that decision and then you hear you hear the students arguing and that one that last student just says you know she saved his life and um, mm. that's that's kind of when that's after the point where he he ends the lecture. And I really I do think that line, you know, because he was very dismissive of Stacey when she first arrived. And he is a lot like that. He's a very initially dismissive person who then thinks on things because he's very reactionary. But I think I think uh, that line has a, you know, kind of makes him more reflect on that, you know, 
as I say, like Stacy's decision wasn't done for any other reason than to help House. And I think that changed. That, 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 that's his final decision maker. He's like, I can help Stacy now. He hasn't forgiven her, but there's something there. Uh, uh, but you're missing. There's a little bit omitted from the end where, you know, she says, oh, saved, saved his life. But then the other person says, well, we don't know whether that was the case or not. <laughs> Because he says, well, we don't know whether his proposed treatment was going to be successful or not. Well, yes. Yeah, he had the heart attack. Maybe he's choosing yeah, the... the outcome that he finds more comforting. Yeah, oh. exactly. That's what I mean. But don't let that... You just missed out that little, little kind of sour note at the end. You're making a little bit too I sweet. I am, I am. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm acting like David Shaw in episode <laughs> in pilot. My, yes. my, that, my ideas were like all the school children running into the running into the hospital room. You you brought it down. I agree. Yeah. But, sorry, um, but... sorry, I didn't mean to correct you like that. But I felt like it's it, it's I'm probably preferring to see it that she was acting in his interest to save his life, not it wasn't a vindictive choice against his desire to have the full use of his leg. Yeah. But it just felt like he never got a chance to prove it. And that's always going to hang over him. It's like the it's the insurmountable case. He can never know whether he was right or wrong about what he was proposing. Completely. Because people took a different turn. But now he sees it in a different light, perhaps. Yeah. But he's still kind of like the analytical brain would go, I could have been with a better leg. I could have solved the case if they'd just taken a more risk-taking approach. <laughs> <laughs> well he's and well the nice thing is uh, and i think this is what makes the show feel very even in the last season it makes the show feel very complete um we won't be talking about the last season for a while like the way that we try to do this is we only talk about the evidence that we have at the time in a very chronological way but um even in the la in the last season he he says things which seem to suggests that he's really forgiven Stacy and thinks that he's wrong and it's um it's amazing that the show keeps that up it makes the show feel very complete like it's the same characters and it's not just oh what should we do this season it's um the fact that you know you like if you watched the last season you wouldn't know what he was talking about you really have to watch the whole show to get all of the small pointers so um like this this forgiving Stacy and you know thinking on his his leg arc continues for, for the entire show it's um you know even that we now know the context behind it it doesn't mean that the the way he deals with it is over which i think is a big theme of the show it's mm. just how people deal with their lives and you know rationalize things and you know just cope with the mundanity and pain of every day like you know there's no big mm. moment where everything's fixed it's just how do you cope mm. and it's um it's nice that that's a recurring thing all the way to the very end. Hot damn. Cracking episode, Hot though. Hot damn. Yeah. I mean, fantastic episode. I I think... There is not much I can say about that, apart from it was it's one of the best episodes. In my opinion, the best episode. I think I, think I would agree. Um, yeah, just absolutely brilliant um mm. we were actually going to do uh an extra episode on what our favorite episodes were of the season but i think it's pretty much three stories which we've already discussed so i don't think we can do that anymore yeah. 
we'll have to think of something else if we both agree <laughs> on that. So, you know, hey, well, there's an episode gone, but we'll think of something else. But um, yeah, I, yeah. I think it's a it's an episode which is so well written that it's it deserves all the credit it gets. And it really speaks for itself. There's not really much to summarize other than the 45 odd minutes of summary we've just given. So, um, yeah, well, well, I guess one thing I would like to say it this episode the kind of big picture part of this is that this is all about time and change and it messes with time as a way to obviously make it because it's anachronic it doesn't work back to front or front to back in terms of like a novel or something like that it's bits and pieces all over the place yeah we see warehouses changed and warehouses not changed, um, and that's kind of the whole arc of this season is about what made House change, what made House who he is today. Why do people think of uh, think of House as not just this this person who's always been like that? That there's something to save in him. Yeah, very true. Something to cherish about him. It's for, still, it's very hopeful, in a way. Yeah. Um, well, um, but yeah. Well, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Differential Diagnosis, where we've been differentially diagnosing three stories. Fantastic episode. Um, join us, join us this Thursday for another DD Extra, the subject of which we'll <laughs> think of later because our idea is being crushed now by this episode. So. You'll see when we get there. But um, until then, join us Monday where we discuss the finale of House MD Season 1 called Honeymoon. And uh, we're looking forward to it. It's nice to have almost come to the end of Season 1. And um, then we'll take a, a little break and we'll see what Season 2 holds for us. So um, from me, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, remember to, you know, give us a review where you can or get in touch with us at, at HouseMDCast on Twitter or find us on Facebook. But until then, as I say, thank you very much from me. And uh, goodbye from me also. Um, see you next time. See you later.